Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in Xamarin development. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Pierce Bogan. I love the delay every time. <laughs> every it's time. like you're not paying attention at all, Pierce. <laughs> well, I'm usually not. I'm usually scrambling to look at my podcast notes because I realize we're starting. Yeah, it's my favorite. Today, I get on the podcast with Pierce, and he's like, I don't know where the microphone's at. I don't know where this thing's at. I don't know where that thing's at. And it all came together. You scrambled around the Boston office extremely fast, and I'm very impressed with your skills and grace. Thank you. Yeah, I was blaming everyone that I could find for stealing my microphone. And of course, it was exactly where I left it the last time I used it. The last time I recorded a podcast, it was in the exact same spot. So I only have myself to blame. Uh, Pierce, you know what my favorite feature of iOS is, seeing that I never use iOS ever, but it, I, I've been using the live player, right? So it's like I have this little stand where it's, it's kind of right in front of my face. Did you know that the clock application actually shows the time in real time? Like it's actually animating. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the little oh. second hand, it actually moves. Like if you look at the clock app, it actually moves. Oh, dang. You're talking about the icon. Yeah, it does. I didn't even realize that. Magic. magic. Anyways, I think it's always done that. I know that the day changes. You know, Apple has some magical icon magic that they have. And I think in iOS 11, they're going to be are they already kind of let you change some icons dynamically, but only like shapes and colors. You're not like updating it every second like they are, which would be kind of cool. Yeah, but that's that's classic iOS, not letting you do anything that you actually want to do. <laughs> that's <laughs> and funny. That, well, to, and, then, and then when an iOS developer actually gets an API that lets him do something, he complains. I mean, he, he tells everyone who listens that iOS has the best APIs for developers, and then the Android developers on the other corner are very angry because they've had that API for years. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's like, this is the most magical API ever. Like, we've already had it. It's funny. Yeah, and that's, that's just mobile app development, really. Anything new in the life of Pierce Bogan, though, over there in the Boston, Massachusetts? No, nope. things are pretty boring uh, <laughs> for me. It's just life as usual. Been working on some of the cool releases, which we'll talk about later. So pretty excited about that stuff. But besides that, I haven't been up to anything. Have you been traveling or doing anything like that? Oh, man, we had uh, last week was VS Live Redmond, which was really cool. It was in Redmond, which was on campus, which was very convenient because I also go into campus on occasion. And uh, I was in Building 33, which is our big uh, convention center, which was actually the first developer conference I went to seven years ago, which was PDC, which was before Build. It was in that building, which is when Windows Phone was coming out and Azure was releasing. So whenever I enter that building, it brings back a lot of emotions for me because um, it kind of coming to Redmond made me fall in love with Washington and the Pacific Northwest. And I got to come into Seattle and then a year later I moved here. So it's it's always nice to go into that building and, and kind of relive some of that. That's where we do our all hands and things like that. So there's a lot of really cool events that are happening in that building. And I got to meet up with a lot of uh, awesome Xamarin developers. I did a few sessions, uh, one on online offline sync, which is some of our topics actually here today. Uh, and then I gave my you know Xamarin session and I did Ask the Experts. I did a whole bunch of really cool stuff. It was really cool. I got to chat with Laurent uh, a little bit about MVVM Lite and a bunch of other stuff that was going on because he was presenting there too. So yeah, it was solid. Not a lot of travel, travel, but actually quite a bit of just kind of stuff happening here locally. It's been we, I think before we started the podcast, we were unsure if it was going to be an exciting week or not an exciting week on the podcast as we run through the news. But I think the releases, there's like just a lot going on. It was actually, even if the thing that happened today didn't happen, there still would have been a lot to talk about, surprisingly, even though we've been talking about it. 
But um, yeah, you want to let's, let's maybe just run down the news first. You want to do that? Yeah, sounds good. So uh, speaking of APIs, um, Android support libraries, we've talked about them a lot, right? We've had yeah. podcasts literally on the support libraries and we blog about them all the time. But I know that there's some new releases and some new goodies for developers. Yeah, it was super, super cool. A few weeks ago, we talked about I did the bottom navigation view blog post, um, which is some updates to the Android support libraries. But there are actually even newer Android support libraries uh, out there, too. And, and we should, we can link to the actual um, podcast that I did with John Dick, who does like all the bindings for the support libraries. But if you just go to NuGet and you type in Android support and you scroll down a little bit, you'll see all the Xamarin ones that are there. So they all start with Xamarin dot. So the first thing is at 15.4.0 or whatever, the brand new kind of bindings were at 15 or 25, sorry, 25.4. We were at 25.3. So this just means there's some new features, there's some bug fixes in there, some little things uh, in the actual Android support libraries. And when those release, it's essentially all of them um, that are packaged out there. So V4, AppCompat, Design, Recycler, View, Card View, uh, Media Router, Vector Drawable, Drawable, uh, Compact, what else is in there? There's so many. Fragment, Core UI, Media Compact, Core Utils, Transitions, V13, V13 Palette, Custom Tabs, Annotations, V8 Render Script, V7 Grid Layout, Percent, V17 Lean Back, V7 Preference. Oh, did I get them all? I got them all. Whew. There's so many support libraries. Um, V14 Preferences, V17 Preference Lean Back, Support Recommendation. I got to do a blog on that one. Um, support EXIF, that's a brand new one too. So all these get released at the same time. And what I'm saying, people, is there's a lot of cool support libraries because even though Android O, Oreo is coming out, there's really not that many new, new features inside of it, um, to be honest with you. Most of the stuff is in the support libraries. And, and essentially what will happen in the future is you'll see it bump to version 26 once we have the, the Android O stuff comes out. But this is the latest and greatest for what's in version 25 uh, of Android. So there's a lot of cool stuff just in there. There's even more. Oh, holy bananas. There's so many. But really more importantly, I would say than the support libraries are a brand new release that John Dick has been working on for quite a long time of the Google Play services. Um, and Google Play services, um, specifically on Xamarin and Android, are a list of all these things that are built into the core Google Play um, app system app that gets installed over the app store. So OTA, so all the Android devices that have Google Play on them have these lists of services. So a lot of these things are based around maps or location or analytics or app indexing. Some of them have been expanded into Firebase, but a lot of them at their core are still Google Play um, there. So things like wearable and most importantly, the location APIs, which are a list of all of the fused locations that are out there. And this is actually huge because they change. This is a huge, huge update to how Google Play and specifically the location APIs work. And in the past, I wrote a blog post on this. In the past, you'd actually have to do like create a new Google Play client, then you'd have to connect, and then you'd have to like then make the call, then you have to disconnect and do all this stuff. You don't have to do that anymore. They've simplified the API so much where essentially you just say, hey, give me my location um, client, like give it to me. I don't have to do it, it's just a one asynchronous call. And I don't even think it's asynchronous. I think it's just like, give it to me. It's synchronous, so give it to me. And then you just start making calls on it. And you can now literally go from zero to start to listen to location updates. And I think about like 10 lines of code, six lines of code, which is like pretty bananas. So I did a whole blog post on it and I, and I, I thought it was really cool. And I'm actually gonna start implementing this and expanding it into the geolocator plugin too. 
Yeah, that was the obvious obvious next question that I was gonna say. When do we get this in the in the geolocator plugin? But yeah, this API actually looks really really nice. I see you know a little request location updates async. So some of the stuff is async. We have some events we can subscribe to. So I know compared to the older approach, which you blogged about, you said uh, this is like huge improvement. Six lines of code, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, um, especially considering like how powerful all that stuff actually is. Yeah, it's really nice. I'm really I'm really impressed with it. And I actually have a branch already in the geolocator plugin. Some other people had done work already to bring it in. And then I said, oh, I know about this new API and it's going to make it so much easier. I'm just going to wait until that happens. So I actually have it working in one of the current geolocator branches. I'm just kind of waiting a little bit, finessing the API just a little bit more. And because the actual package that just came out is actually in preview. So I want to wait until it comes out into official release and things like that. So eventually it'll come. But there is a branch with a NuGet that you can play around with today. Well, I know M- Miguel likes to say we're massaging the API. Got to massage those APIs. So uh, you got you to give it time to massage you got to. or to loosen up. So one thing that every app needs, James, authentication. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done like we did an entire podcast about a year ago on identity and mobile apps so like all the different options and how exactly what what should be the way that you add identity uh to your mobile applications so there's like all these different types there's like you know you got social auth which is like you know login with facebook you have um, local auth which is kind of like username password old school type of auth Um, you have like enterprise auth which is like azure id um, and things like that and then once you actually get within each of those services and you're probably already, you know, as a developer, you're you're saying, OK, well, the you know, the people who are dictating how we made this app uh, say we're going to use Facebook. So we're going to use Facebook. And so you're like, OK, well, how am I going to actually go about implementing this? And so if you're using Azure App Service, right, you actually get some cool stuff for free. So you can actually do this little thing called a, a little web view auth or server side auth. And you get that for free with the Azure mobile apps uh, NuGet. But the problem with that is that it pops up this nasty web view, which does use like Chrome custom tabs and some other stuff. A little bit better. Um, a little bit better. Improved. So it's not, it's not terrible. It's not like it's a, a, like opening up just a web view. But the problem with that is, at least on iOS, first of all, if I have uh, Facebook or whatever social client that I actually want to integrate with already installed on my phone, it, you may have noticed how some apps, you know, they'll pop up the web view. That's the server side auth. And then we have the, the actual like native auth flow, which is, oh, just if I already have Facebook installed, just pop me over to that app. I can hit authorize and jump back over to my app and I'm logged in. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the like roadblocks for our users are, are much, much lower. So it's a much better user experience versus the web view style approach. And um, really, there's not a lot of documentation on how to do the native style approach. And I know you wrote a blog post about how exactly to use these native SDKs for Facebook to do that you know, pop them over to Facebook app, log them in, pop them back to your app, and actually not only just do that, but use that auth token that you get back to use an Azure app service. Yeah, exactly. So the nice thing here is that most of this blog post that I wrote actually can be used in any application today. Um, if you're just looking to get a Facebook auth token for, you know, for your actual login process, because Facebook has an SDK and we have a binding to it. So you just pull in this NuGet, and if you're using, I did it on Android. Mike James has blogged about this in the past for iOS that I linked to. But I just wanted to go through the Android workflow and the redirect URL. And I actually really like how Azure App Service works because 
Normally, if you're integrating to an OAuth service, that's where the web view and the Chrome custom tabs and the SF Safari view stuff is good because that's like just how you do it with your own OAuth service. You don't have like a native you know, client SDK. So sometimes you need to do that. But like you said, when there is a Twitter or a Facebook or a Google like clients installed, it should be really simple um, or at least use their native SD, you know, native UI to actually display it. So I usually don't have Facebook installed on my, on my phone at all. I'm just not a really big Facebooker, but I said, I'm going to figure out how to do this. And to be honest, it's just a few lines of code. You pull in the SDK, you write a few lines of code to handle if they logged in, if they logged out, anything like that in your Android app. And I gave two examples, how to do it in Xamarin Android and how to do it in Xamarin Forms with a custom renderer, which is only six lines of code because you just set the native control. And the cool thing is you don't even need to register a click handler. It just calls your code under the hood and pops up the UI for you. And it's cool. If you don't have Facebook installed, it pops up the UI, the, the activity that it needs to, to actually do the login. Else it has this really cool continue as James because I've already logged in on my actual Facebook application. One click, go through, done. And then if you want to, you do anything with that token, right? So literally I just say, hey, if you're using app service, like I was in my coffee cups app, boom, go ahead and just pass this token along and you're good. It was really cool. Yeah, and one important thing to know, just if you're doing anything with, uh, if you're gonna utilize this approach, you wanna use the Facebook social auth with the native SDKs and you wanna pass that up to Azure App Service. One thing to keep in mind is you actually are gonna have two tokens to work with here, right? Mm -hmm. So you're gonna have the Facebook auth token and you're gonna have like what they call a Zumo token, which is just like an Azure token. Yeah. And the Azure token is where you're gonna use to hit all of the, that's automatically, for the most part, handled for you. And that's what you're going to use to hit, you know, all of your APIs and tables and whatever you have in Azure. And then you have the Facebook token, which you're going to want to use. Say I want to go get like user's friends. That's what you're going to use the Facebook token for. And so it's important probably to hold on to both of them just in case you need them. But the cool thing about the Zumo token or the Azure app service token is that you can actually do some cool stuff with like refresh and things like that, which I know we've blogged about in the past. But yeah, Auth is, Auth is a crazy animal. It's pretty cool because, I mean, it really is. I'm looking at the blog post right now. It's not actually that much line, that many lines of code. And really, you've scaffolded it pretty much all out. So it's a little copy-paste coding there. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I've actually had some people tweeted me already and said they upgraded their app just by this blog post. Like, hey, here's how you do it. Done, right? Which is pretty cool. But I think I think you I, one thing you hinted on there, which is kind of leading into some other blog posts, is like once you have a token or once you're authorized with something, whether it's Facebook or whether it's Microsoft or Twitter, you can start integrating with those APIs. And I really like this blog post that Mayor did. Mayor does all of our crazy blog posts on anything going in um, Office APIs or Cosmos DB, and he did this really cool blog post on um, how to access OneDrive for business. Um, which I thought was super interesting because I never really thought about that as far as using it for kind of local storage in my app for my company. And, um, you know, you kind of, he kind of walks through logging in just like how we were using the Facebook auth here. We we're using, you know, Microsoft, uh, you know, the, uh, the MSAL library to log in. But once you do that, you register your app. It's very similar, just accessing different APIs. And he walks through actually going through and reading and writing files to disk. So if you want to pull down a doc or upload a doc or PDFs or anything like that, you can actually log in really easily and then list down all of your files that are in your actual OneDrive, click on them, launch them, and actually see them uh, with, again, literally not that many lines of code. And it's all cross-platform code too, which is pretty cool. It's just a little Xamarin Forms application that he wrote. Yeah, I mean, it's really useful. It's a few lines of code, like you said, and 
many, many, many enterprise applications are going to be hitting something like OneDrive and need to at least show the files so that people can open them. But yeah, I mean, this is all like part of the Microsoft graph, right? Which is freaking amazing. Instead of having like 90 million APIs and NuGets and things I need to add to access all the service, like mail and calendar, I don't have to have... I don't have to have different nougats for all that. I just have the graph API, right? Mm-hmm. And once I'm authorized, I can hit all these different endpoints. And one little nugget that Mayor, he's our Microsoft ADAL expert in general and Active Directory OneDrive guy. One nugget that he told me recently that I did not know, which was really cool, is that it'll actually handle a lot of the permissions for you. So if you ask for something you don't have permission for, rather than just like conking out and like you know, giving you a 404 or something, it's actually going to present the user for a request to access that API, mm. which is, it'll like pop up a little web view, say, hey, is it cool if, you know, this this application actually hits your OneDrive and, and you'll say, okay, or whatever. And so that's that's a pretty cool thing because before you had to go in and you had to hit all the different, you know, permissions that you actually want to use. And this is a little bit more on demand. So that's that's a pretty cool feature. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And, you know, as we kind of continue, the news of the week are really about these services and integrations and backends for your application. And during my talk, actually, at VS Live that I was talking about earlier, I demo both Azure App Service, which integrates uh, an Azure mobile app um, backend to a SQL Azure database with a ASP.NET um, web API kind of in between handling all this. It really gives you fine granular control. But I also talk about real-time databases with Realm, which is kind of one of my really favorite crazy databases. They, they mastered offline um, um, you know, data access, but they have this thing called the actual um, Realm mobile platform, which is a backend, a real-time backend server to communicate with your mobile applications. So kind of like based on how, like what type of app you want to build, if you need things to be real-time, like chat applications or IoT things, it's really cool. And um, they have a beautiful cross-platform Xamarin SDK, which is really awesome. But what I love about this server is that I could deploy it um, well, forever, it was, it was actually just Linux. So I could deploy that actually into Azure on a Linux um, container, and a, a Linux VM, I should say. And I really enjoyed that. But what was really cool um, about what just happened was that they released official .NET Core backend um, for C-sharp developers to actually create their backend for Realm in C-sharp with .NET Core that can be deployed on Linux, Mac OS, or Windows. And it actually has Docker container support already, so you can deploy a Docker container with it, which I think is bananas, because previous to this, you had to write actually Node.js and JavaScript stuff. So it was really hard for a .NET developer to be writing their mobile apps all day in uh, in, in C-sharp and then switch over here to... Um, JavaScript. So now you can reuse your models, all that stuff on your back end, on your front end, and actually write a bunch of awesome Realm backend code in C Sharp thanks to .NET Core, which I think is really fantastic. I mean, we've talked about it before, but one of my favorite things about Realm in general is just how simple the API is. Yeah. It's so incredibly simple. It reminds me of like the old school parse days, but it, it's really, really cool. And I think if you go and you look on the Xamarin blog, um, and you just Google like Realm Xamarin blog, we did a really cool one where there was like a drawing app and there was two iPads and on one iPad, someone's drawing something. And on the other one, it almost instantaneously, it's being replicated. And I think it was only like a couple hundred lines of code to actually do that. And once you strip out the drawing code, it was even less than that. Yeah. So that was, that was a really, really powerful example of what this, 
what this platform can do. And like you said, you can deploy it anywhere, which is pretty amazing as well. Yeah, it's super cool. So definitely check out Realm if you haven't before. And I think I think maybe even on Channel 9, the video of me demoing that stuff is there too. So I'll see if I can find a link to that and tweet it out. But I don't know, it's pretty cool. Um, and talking about cool things, there's some awesome people making awesome apps with Xamarin. Did you take a look at this um, um, this cool Speech Central application that came out? Yeah, it's really cool. So basically this application was built by Xamarin was originally a Windows 8.1 app. Um was ported over to Xamarin, and it's pretty cool because it was originally just a guy, you know, building an app for Windows 8.1, and now he's running on, you know, UWP, Android, iOS, you know, even tvOS and watchOS and Mac, and the app essentially allows you to do anything via speech. So you can, can, you can like, surf the web, you can, like, do all these random things, you can, like, look for articles, you can instruct it to do things, so it's really, really cool because... They basically have taken the idea of speech as like a UX, which is something that like, if you go on Microsoft Keynote, you'll probably, if you have one of those bingo cards, you're probably going to hear someone say something about intelligence and like speech as UX and something like that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, speech is driving applications. And this one, literally, <laughs> the way you navigate around the application is to talk. So it's a, it's a really, really cool application. I think it's one of those cool examples of where they take something that they've already written on Windows and they're like, Come on, we can share all this code, we can move to all these new platforms. And suddenly, you know, our user base isn't just on Windows, it's on all the mobile platforms. It's even on some of these like niche markets like, you know, TVOS where there's almost nothing. So you can stand out. So I thought that was one of the really cool things about this app, but I don't know if there's anything else that stood out to you. Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, not only are they using and being able to digitize any content to do text-to-speech, um, and also for some input, but output too, is that they, you know, standardize on, on Xamarin to bring everything over, but they also use some mobile center, they use some Azure backend, they use some VSTS. So they're going to be combining all these great services that we have together that really shows how, you know, you can mix and match what you want. You don't have to use all of our services, obviously, but things work really well together. Go figure. Um, and, uh, and you can use all this stuff. So it's really cool. And it's a, it's a pretty cool app to, to check out as well. Just kind of play around with because I love like text-to-speech type of stuff. And I think, you know, before we get into the new releases, the last bit, which is coming up, actually, you only have a few days for this uh, when this podcast comes out. But on August 29th, there's a webinar from Xamarin University that's happening to learn about how to do all this great stuff. In fact, it's literally called A Desktop Developer's Guide to Mobile with Visual Studio and Xamarin. So if you're building desktop applications and you're like, I really want to try to get into Xamarin, you can learn all about how to get started with Xamarin, UI um, optimizations and UX, how things work on desktop compared to mobile and how you're going to actually you know, transform your applications. Um, and you can register. We'll put the link into the show notes on how to register for the free Xamarin University um, webinar that's happening uh, with Mark Smith, who is amazing. Um, so definitely go ahead and register for that. Um, and with that, Pierce, I think it is time Woo! to do it. New releases, new release Friday. Woo! And the exciting thing about this one is it's not like, oh, we have like a new like blah, 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 like some tiny new release. We have a brand new major stable release in addition to a brand new major preview release we do so it was a very exciting week for us and like you said i mean i wasn't really sure we weren't sure when the preview was going to drop but it dropped this week we have 15.3 visual studio 2017 version 15.3 ship this week actually last week and it is freaking amazing james and you want to know why dot net core 2.0 
pretty freaking amazing. <laughs> pretty cool. It's yeah. a thing. It is a thing. It is the thing that was released at the same time as Visual Studio 15.3 um, alongside .NET Standard 2.0. Can you believe that? Yep. yep. Pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. So it's time. It's now time for me to accept my fate for my PCLs. It's time to start porting apps over to it, which we've done a ton of guides on for forms, for non-forms, for everything. I think over the last year we've been blogging about that. but. Yeah. We also have, uh, I, I also got to change some project templates, right? We got to mm-hmm. have .NET Standard in the project templates because that's, that's the future. It's all coming, I think, slowly. And I think you're going to see some more over time as, you know, this release of .NET Core and .NET Standard 2.0 are really cool and really coming in. You know, that's not the only thing that released in 15.3, but there was really cool new support for Azure Functions. Um, live unit testing um, was up. And there's actually a video uh, with Scott Hunter um on channel nine which is in this blog post that we'll link to of the major release talking about this but also of uh visual studio for mac version 7.1 that actually adds support for dotnet core and dotnet standard 2.0 libraries which is super awesome and i actually got to demo this feature on that video Uh, so the same day this all released i was on there now i will say pierce so everyone is very clearly aware of .NET Core 2 and .NET Standard 2.0 is that, yes, .NET Standard 2.0 is out today with Visual Studio 2017 version. There's a lot of version numbers, 15.3. So many. So many. Now, that being said, Pierce, that our official support for .NET Standard 2.0 is not in 15.3. You know that, right? Yeah, it's like a, it's kind of like it may work, but it's not fully 100%. But we have official builds and releases. And in fact, there's a version documents, you always know where and what versions are supporting what that we'll put actually into the show notes, I'm giving Pierce the link right now, I'm going to do up arrows link that into the show notes. What's cool is that you can get this support today. And do you know why Pierce 15 four preview one? 15.4 15.4 preview one. That is correct. Um, so <laughs> I, was, I was actually like a little unsure. So I was like worried I was going to have to edit it out, but I got it right. I, it was a good guess. Yes, you got it correct. Visual Studio 2017 version 15.4 preview one. That is a long name for this thing came out today, which is the 24th or whatever of August, which means that you can go into your Visual Studio installer or Visual Studio for Mac, update, install the preview or update to the alpha channel on Visual Studio for Mac, and you get all sorts of new awesome features. So this will give you um, .NET Standard 2.0 support uh, for the full creators update of UWP, uh, for Xamarin projects, the Xamarin Live Player is built right in, Nothing else to install. You just go and enable a checkbox. We'll have a blog post on this next week. All sorts of awesome fixes and optimizations, new tools for uh, Unity improvements, all, all sorts of good, crazy stuff in there. And remember, Pierce, that if you want to try the previews, you don't have to destroy your development machine. I literally just upgraded it as we we're recording this podcast. And guess what? I have Visual Studio 15.3 side by side 15.4 and guess what they don't talk to each other they don't care about each other they're just somewhere else on my machine and i can do that side by side it's a beautiful thing it's so beautiful because before i mean 
We've all been there. Updating to anything is a little scary and running alpha on anything is scary. And with this, it's totally sandbox. So there's like basically no risk and there's really no reason not to at least have it on your machine, fire it up, you know, even if you're not really planning on using it day to day. I mean, it's at least worth building when we get close to a new release. When 15.4 is getting close to going to stable, it's worth popping over that channel, building your app, seeing if everything's all good to go before we hit stable. And then also in this release, we have a few goodies that I'm excited about. We have, I like to throw in a few treats in a release, Mots. It's it, the Xamarin Live Player is the sexy feature for this release. Um, inclusion of that into Visual Studio is just you know a checkbox away. But we also have some nice little treats, which I'm happy about for some of our developers. So in, on on Windows, we have this new thing where you can actually copy the .dot app bundle for iOS. Right now, if I build my app, the .dot app bundle is not copied back over to Windows. Mm. Now, that's not a huge deal if you're working in, you know, day-to-day environment, you have access to your Mac, whatever. Um, But in a CI scenario, that's a big deal because maybe after every CI build, my CI Mac environment is completely reconfigured and I can't go get that. Now we just have a little property you add to your CS proj on iOS and we'll actually copy that back over to the Windows machine. So you actually get that artifact on Windows. Um, You won't have to go over to the Mac at all. So that's very exciting. That's cool. Uh, and then another thing that I know people always complain about, and honestly, I complain about too because it's kind of annoying, is we used to show these pop-ups and you're, it's like, documentation is syncing. Um, and you're like, why do I need to be alert? Like, I'm getting email alerts. Why do I need alerts that my docs are syncing and that I'm doing all this stuff? And you're like, what is doc sync? And so really, it was just this thing that allowed you to view documentation for iOS APIs offline. That's all it is. Mm. And, uh, and so it was kind of annoying. And to be honest, I don't really need that functionality. Um, and a lot of people don't. So we actually added a new feature in 15.4 that says it's just an option, the iOS settings for Xamarin, and it says keep documentation in sync. Mm. And basically it's off by default. So you don't get DocSync by default. And so now that's a nice little treat for those developers who didn't like that because uh, it's off by default. It's not going to bother you anymore. But if you want it, it's there. Nice. So pretty like excited that. about those little, those little nuggets in uh, 15.4 preview one as well. But on Mac, we have some we have some stuff that's pretty cool as well in the 15.4 release. It's confusing though because you're like 15.4 release is that also on Mac? No, it's <laughs> 7.2. But, it's, but so it is for Mac. We have a 7.2 preview. Yeah, it is and it isn't right. Right. Yeah. The big thing coming for me personally in VS for Mac 7.2, obviously because. You know, we add Xamarin Live Player into the shell for Visual Studio in 15.4 Preview 1 on the Windows side. We did the same for Mac in this release. So now, again, just a checkbox away in your preferences, you get Xamarin Live Player. Amazing. And they added a ton of fixes in this release as well. But some other cool little nuggets. The coolest for me, little Docker support. (laughs) So you can now publish ASP.NET Core apps to Docker containers and run them from an app service in Visual Studio for Mac. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's if you're a Docker fan, I don't. There's bajillion people that attempt to to explain Docker to me, and I demo Docker, and I, I pretty much I get, I get it there sometimes. But it's pretty cool. My um, bundle, and what's cool is it actually builds the Docker container there, like on your machine, and then it just literally will provision your actual Linux and your Azure um, uh, registry, Azure um, registry container, and everything like that, and push everything up and deploy it automatically, which is pretty bananas and, and I've done it. It works and it's totally great. Yeah, if you're doing any Docker um, distributions, it'll create your Docker file, all that jazz for you automatically. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so pretty excited about both those releases. Like James said, 
uh, there's really you should give it a try because on Mac it's easy. You just go in, you pop, you change the update channel from stable or beta to alpha. It's going to be there on um, on Windows. You install this separate thing that's totally sandboxed from your stable install, so it's worth giving it a try as well. Yeah. And just one more note on the release front. Um, there was two. Um, if you've already upgraded to 15.3, but you haven't checked for any new updates this week, we did release a new service release mm-hmm. as well this week for 15.3. Um, so that fixes a few of the issues that folks had after updating directly to 15.3. So if, you ha- if you're if you on 15.3, um, it's worth updating to that. I think the exact version is 15.3.2. So if you just go into the Visual Studio installer or in Visual Studio for Mac, go into check for updates. Uh, it'll be right there and you're good to go. Yep. We got some good stuff. That is what I'm on right now as of this recording, which is super cool. Well, let's break it down, Pierce, before we get out of here. It is the pick of the week. What is your package or tool of the podcast to let the people know. This week I'm going with a little nugget mm, uh, called FF Image Load. Oh, nice. Ooh. It's uh, pretty nice. So uh, images, if you've ever worked with basically any development ever, uh, can be a huge pain in the butt because there's so many things with images that have to be considered. So um, I may have multiple images which are the exact same that I need to download over the web. Well, it doesn't really make sense to download that twice. It makes sense to download it once, cache that puppy, reuse it. Um, so there's a lot of things like that, uh, bitmap optimization, things like that, that you have to think about specifically when you're on a mobile device, because things are a little bit different, um, than doing desktop development. And a lot of the pains with working with images from desktop development also apply on mobile. So basically what this library does is it is going to make, if you have images, like in a list view, if you have images in your app, it's worth looking into this to see if it's going to improve the performance of how you work with images. So if you just, you know, you go in, you have a list view, you have like uh, an image in every single uh, list view cell and you're expecting that to load quickly, um, that's not going to happen. So um, this library is actually going to go and it's going to, you know, do some async stuff. It's going to, you know, cache your requests. It's going to group requests together. It's going to do a whole bunch of cool stuff. It's going to compress uh, your Android bitmaps, save about 50% of memory. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. So it does a whole bunch of random different things that are actually just going to make it amazing to work with the images on, in mobile in general. And this works for, you know, you know, Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android, UWP, but there's also a NuGet for Xamarin Forms. So if you're doing anything with Xamarin Forms, it's also worth taking a look at. So it does a lot more than that. But for me, that's one of those things. And I think we have a great example of of using this library. If you look in the bike sharing uh, pre-built sample codes, so if you just go like bike sharing 360, I think, mobile apps, um, it'll show up. And that's an app built with Xamarin Forms that we did for Connect last year. And it actually uses this library pretty extensively. So that's a good example of an open source application that's built using this. But yeah all about this package and I use it in all of my apps, especially if I have a lot of images, which most mobile apps tend to have. For sure. Yeah. I, uh, I'm also kind of in this uh, world of kind of offline downloading, optimizing things. And we've talked already about multiple databases and way of storing stuff, but I always like to mention the easiest way of just literally creating a SQL light type of SQL table storage on your device which is Frank SQLite-Net PCL, the official SQLite-Net implementation. It's the only one, it's the official one that is now a .NET standard library that works absolutely everywhere from, uh, geez, UWP to Xamarin to Windows Phone to watchOS to tvOS to Mac to .NET 
framework to anywhere. It's built all on top of SQLite Raw, which is this awesome bundle um, from Eric Sink, who is amazing. And essentially, each of these platforms either have SQLite or there can be a, an implementation of SQLite that exists there. So Frank has an ORM that essentially you just install a NuGet package and you can easily create and query um, all asynchronously all of your tables. And I use this in a bunch of my applications because sometimes I'm integrating with other backends and I just need to save some data locally. And a lot of people ask me like, why don't you put that in settings or why don't you do this? I'm like, well, settings are for simple data. They're not for structured data. And once I want to use structured data, then I do something like SQLite net and it's pretty great. So if you're looking just to store some data in a database, boom, that's there. And he also has a version now of using like other types of databases under the hood, like SQL cipher and things like that. So you can just easily pull, pull those additional libraries in. I think that's it. Uh, Pierce, we did it. We crushed it. Crushed it, even though I ruined your commitment that you had five minutes ago. Sorry about that. I got to run. Typical gas bag Pierce. Classic. I got to run off to the doctor. Um, and then I'll be back in two weeks. I'm not going to be at the doctor for two weeks, but we'll be back. I was about and, to say. <laughs> wow, where did James go? Is that the doctor for doing? No, I'll be back in, we'll both be back in two weeks for another Xamarin podcast. You can find me on the Twitters at James Montemagno at Pierce Bogan. For Pierce, the show is the Xamarin podcast. You can go to xamarinpodcast.com, subscribe on all of your favorite podcasts devices. If you're using Apple Podcasts, be sure to review us. That helps boost us in the rankings when people type in Xamarin. So we're number one in the list for all the latest and greatest news. Stay tuned and keep up to date on the blog at blog.xamarin.com. And of course, the Xamarin Podcast. Until two weeks from now, Pierce, I will continue to miss you and think about you every day as I hop on Slack and communicate with you. Miss you. Love you. Bye. Bye.